Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. Well, a few months ago, I, I had this interesting thought, and I thought that needs to be a series, and I was trying to figure out when to teach this series, and so I'm going to start this series um, this morning, and it will carry us through the month of February. One, I think, is going to be interesting, but I'm going to preach it from, a ang- from the angle that is very um, faith-filled and very accurate, so you will get some revelation, and your mind will change on some things. Here's the title of our new series, The Unholy Trinity. The Unholy Trinity. Now, I thought y'all were fired up, but you're really quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> I, I get it. You, you don't want to say amen until you know what that's all about, right? The Unholy Trinity. And let's just start with this. Everyone has heard of the Holy Trinity, right? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But there's also an unholy trinity. And as a believer, you have three enemies. And your enemies are not your spouse, your boss, and your cat, all right? Maybe the cat, but, but you do have three enemies. And it's important for you to know who those enemies are. And so what I'm going to do over the next few weeks is I'm going to teach you who those three enemies are so you know who to fight and how to fight. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to start with um, part of that unholy trinity. And this morning we're going to talk, you ready? We're going to talk about the devil. Everybody say the devil. Matter of fact, here's, here's my, and we'll, I'll, I'll expose the other two as we go along. But here's my title this morning, The Defeated Devil. The Defeated Devil. Now, I am a firm believer that you don't talk too much about the devil. A lot of people put the spotlight on the devil. I think we need to put the spotlight on Jesus. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to tell you who the devil is, what he does, and how you deal with him. And I think you're going to be um, excited. Matter of fact, here's how we're going to close the service. We're, we're actually going to close the service with an upbeat song because I, I want you to figure out by the time I'm done why he's defeated. <clears throat> so we're not, going to close with a, we're not going to close with a slow song and let you think about what the devil's done. We're going to close with a fast song so you can be excited about you have victory over the devil. <clears throat> but usually, I, I, the way I look at it, pe- people usually have um, one of a few theories or concepts of who the devil is. And one is a lot of people think that the devil is all powerful, that he is everywhere, he's behind everything. If the washing machine breaks down, it's the devil. If the car gets a flat tire, it's the devil. I just want you to know sometimes your washing machine, some of you got washing machines that were, like, were made in like 1964. Sometimes they're just going to break down, right? So not, not everything is the devil, but some people think the devil is all powerful. Some people think there's not really a devil, he's just kind of a, an idea of evil or bad in the world, but there's not really a devil, then, then some people think the devil is uh, like that little cartoon figure. You know, he's dressed in red, he has horns, he has a little pitchfork and a little tail, and he wears a cape, and he rules over hell. And I'll just let you know that none of those concepts are actually um, accurate at all. So how many want to get some revelation this morning? <clears throat> so let's jump right into it. Here's our first life point. This, this is the first life point this morning. Uh, recognize who the devil is and who the devil isn't. If he's going to be a defeated devil and you're going to get revelation on that, you and I need to know, we need to recognize who the devil is and who the devil isn't. 
And, and so to understand this, we, we have to understand that the devil was an angel created by God. His name was Lucifer. Everyone say Lucifer. He was created to worship God. He was created to minister to God's people. Uh, scripture describes him as a magnificent being full of wisdom and full of beauty. But he became filled with, the Bible says, with pride. And that pride caused him to want God's throne, to want God's power, to want God's position. So he raised himself up with pride against God the Father. So he was a high-ranking angel. And God ejected him from heaven with all of the angels that were joining in his conspiracy. And he ejected him from heaven, the Bible says, and now he became known as Satan. Let's read about that. That's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. It says this, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I'm going to ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? I like verse 16 because basically it's saying we need to see him for who he really is. And it tells us this, that we all are going to see the enemy And I don't believe this is something we have to wait for. We're going to see the enemy for who he is. And we're going to say, you're the one who deceived the nations. Uh, You're the one who has deceived people. You are the one who has caused so much conflict, fear, and turmoil. And we got to see him as he is. So the Bible says, we will see that. But I don't think you have to wait for that to happen. So he lost his power and position as a high-ranking angel known as Lucifer, and he became known as Satan or the devil. Now, the word Satan, let me define the word Satan and the word devil because even out of biblical context, it still means the same thing. The word Satan basically means one who opposes someone. Now, you're thinking, well, that's my neighbor. His name is Satan. No, it's it's, it's one who opposes somebody. And really, the word devil means someone who lies to someone or lies about someone. So we bring those two names into biblical context and we see that Satan or the devil is one who slanders and lies about and opposes the plan of God and the people of God. Matter of fact, we could say it this way. If you look at the Holy Trinity and the unholy Trinity, uh, the devil is against Jesus, which means the devil is against the word of God because Jesus is the word of God. Uh, The book of John says this, Jesus said, I came that you would have life. And you would have the God kind of life, and you would have Zoe life, and you would have life that overflows. But there's an enemy, Satan, the devil, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So we see that right there, we see that Jesus shares what his, his mission is that to bring you and me life. It really means the God kind of life. But there's an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and I, I have said this before, but, but the theology that you need to know is this, God good, devil bad. When I went to Bible school, I had a, 
uh, several theology classes, and I have this great big green book that's about that wide that's extremely intimidating when you, when you see it, but it's, it's theology, which is the study of God, and, and, and I sat in classes for weeks after weeks going over all kinds of things about end times, um, if people are predestined to be saved or not, where's God from, all this kind of stuff. And I'll just tell you that you don't need to know that big book. All you need to know is this, God good, devil bad. I read that book for you, and that's what I've summarized it to. I sat in a class for six weeks, and, and the class argued and debated over things, and I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. God good, devil bad, amen. So we need to recognize who he is and who he isn't. So we see that he once was a created being that was magnificent, full of beauty and full of wisdom, but because of pride, trying to elevate his throne above God's, God said, we're not having that. So God violently ejected him from heaven, and all those who were a a part of that were ejected from, from heaven with him. So we need to recognize who he is and who he isn't. Life point number two, we need to understand what the devil can do and what the devil can't do, what he can do and what he can't do. Uh, let, let's look at a, uh, some interesting stuff here. This is Second Peter, this is chapter 5, two verses. Be well balanced. And, and I think there's a lot to that little phrase. As believers, how many know we get on extremes? The word ought to balance us out. Have you ever been around somebody that chases the devil, he's behind everything? Okay, here we go. Be well balanced and always be what? Alert. So we should be balanced, but we should be alert. And it tells us why. Because your enemy, see right here, you have an enemy. Guess who he is? He's the devil. Because your enemy, it tells you who he is. Who is he? The devil. The devil is your enemy. So always be alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. You're his prey. So here's what you and I need to do. We need to take a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous what? Faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kind of troubles that you endure. So you have an enemy as a believer And we all have the same enemy. You do not have a special set of conditions that someone else does or doesn't have. We all face the same enemy. And the Bible said he roams around incessantly. The devil is mad. He is ate up. One of the reasons why he is so obsessed with being your enemy is because one thing that that Lucifer was responsible for in heaven was worship. And when he was ejected out out of heaven... He came crashing down into the dust of the earth, and in some way inside of him, he was made up of horn instruments and string instruments, and he was made up of music. And when he crashed into the dust, all of that musical ability that God put in him landed in the dust. It was out of that dust that God created you and called you to be a worshiper and called you to worship God. So he's obsessed because you now get to worship God. He's actually obsessed against God because the Bible says that the angels look on at this magnificent creation that God made, which is you and me, and we have a relationship with God, and he doesn't understand that. So he's been trying to create something that could worship him all these years, and you're his enemy. And so the Bible says he roams around incessantly like a what? Like a lion looking for a 
looking for prey. And we've got to withstand him by faith. So I did a little bit of reading on lions this week. So I'm, I'm going to tell you some interesting things. So remember, in context, we're saying that the devil roams around like a lion. Doesn't say he is a lion. There's only one lion of Judah, but he is like a lion. And so um, here's some interesting things about a lion. First of all, how many would agree lions are pretty ferocious looking, right? Pretty massive, uh, pretty intimidating. But a lion can run really fast, but only for really short periods of time because their heart and their lungs are really small. So they don't have long-term or long-distance stamina. So even though they look intimidating, uh, although they uh, even sound intimidating, they don't have the stamina that you think that they would have. Matter of fact, um, their roar can be a little intimidating, but, but they say that a lion's roar is just a mock roar. And it's just used to intimidate its prey. And so, although a lion is, is, is pretty intimidating and has a, a pretty um, challenging or scaring, uh, scary roar, they use that roar just to intimidate. And, and, and so, they hunt their prey mostly at night, but they stalk their prey. And here's why they stalk their prey. Because they have low stamina, small lungs, just a mock roar. And they, they have a, a, a small heart. So they stalk their prey. They look intimidating. They sound intimidating. But a lot of that is just in, used to intimidate. And they have to stalk their prey because they don't have the stamina. And as I mentioned, they usually do this at uh, night. Now, here's something that a lion does do. He's really good at hunting because he will stalk incessantly. And here's what he does when he stalks his prey he studies the habits of his prey. He's going to study how strong or how weak his opponent or his prey is. He's going to study uh, if that prey is vulnerable and where he's vulnerable. He's going to study uh, if he has any illnesses or, 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 or weak points. So he's going to study over and over incessantly. And here's why. Because he's going to plan his attack according to the weaknesses and the vulnerability of his prey. Are, are y'all getting the picture? And so when a lion does get to the place where he has stalked and he has studied his prey, he's going to attack from a certain angle that's somewhat unexpected at times. And the angle he takes, the first place he goes for is its prey's head. And then he does something really odd with, his, with the, the prey's head. He'll actually play, play with its head for 10, 15 minutes, almost intimidating or tormenting or playing with its head. And then when he really wants to go for the kill, he puts his razor claws over the mouth of that victim and suffocates its victim. Now, in saying that, the Bible says that there's a devil who roams around like a lion. So what I want you to see is he may sound intimidating. He may look ferocious or sound ferocious, but he does not have the stamina that you have. And he, he stalks you, and he watches you, and he studies your areas that you're weak in, maybe the areas that you've been prone to, to fall into temptation. He knows what temptation works against you, because what works against you may not work against someone else, but, but he's not all-knowing. Only God is all-knowing. He's just a good studier, and he's been watching you for years. He sees the wounds in your life, and he knows how he can attack those wounds. He sees your insecurities. 
He knows how to get at those insecurities. He knows your past failures. He knows how to try to bring those back up before you. He, he knows the areas that you're strong in and weak in, and he knows the areas that you're vulnerable in, and he knows your fears. He's been studying you for years, and he knows what may or may not work against you. And when he roars, the roars that you're, that you're hearing, whether that's uh, an attack, whether that's temptation, or whatever it is, those are his lies. He's going to intimidate you with a roar, and that roar might be fear. That roar might be an accusation against you. Whatever that roar is, matter of fact, I don't have this on the screen, but the book of John says this, he's been a murderer from the start. Jesus said this. He never stood with the truth. He's full of nothing but lies. Did y'all get that? Lying is his native tongue. He's a master of deception. He is the father of all lies. 2 Corinthians says this, don't be surprised for Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. He's a liar. So when he roars in your life, you've got to recognize that his ability and his, uh, his tactics are, guess what? They're deceptions. They are lies. They are accusations. They are falsehoods. He, from the beginning, has been nothing but a liar. He's really good at lying. Now, did y'all get that? So the Bible doesn't say he's a lion. He says he acts like a lion. In other words, he might roar, but his roars are lies. They are deceptions. He may uh, look like he's all powerful, but he will just stalk you. He's looking for vulnerable areas and he's going to go for your head and he's going to go for your mouth. So you need to recognize who he is and who he isn't. And you need to understand what he can do and what he can't do. So what do you and I do with the devil? What do we do with the defeated devil? I'm glad you asked that question. Here's, here's the last life point. It, it, it's this. You tame the devil's lies with God's truth. Now you got the picture. He's like a lion. And one thing that lions are good at are roaring. Have you ever had the enemy roar in your ear? Some lies. Some fear some challenges. Have you ever heard, had the devil roar in your ear telling you and reminding you of all your failures? Anybody? You out there? That's where you say, yeah. Okay. So let's look at what you and I need to do with the devil. This is where I want you to get this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, and this is verse 11. It tells us, put on the full armor of God. And it tells us why to put on the armor. So you can take your stand against the devil's what? Schemes. Uh, some translation says, so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. We don't really use the word wiles, but it means methods. It actually means roads. It says this, put on the armor. And, and all the armor is, is a representation of put on the truth. Because when you put on the truth, you can stand against the methods, the roads, and the wiles of the devil. Here's what that word, word wiles or schemes mean. It means the roads the devil takes to get to your mind. There are roads he takes to get to your mind. And it's the roads that he's been traveling over and over and over and over into your life because he's been studying you. He knows what you're challenged with. He knows what you're weak in. He knows what you failed at. He knows your history. And he's going to travel those roads over and over and over and over to get to your mind. So the Bible says, put on the armor of truth. 
or know the truth so you can take what? A stand against him. And the devil's so good at some, some things. Um, he's not all-knowing and he's not all-powerful, but he's been watching you. And he'll take a little bit of truth and take that little bit of truth from your life and twist it and rearrange it and take it and make it into a massive lie. And he'll, 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 he'll come at you with that and he'll bombard you with that until you start to believe that lie is a reality in your life. Matter of fact, the, the word for devil is, is, a, is a word diabolos. And it means this, to penetrate and penetrate and penetrate until he breaks through. Have you ever felt like you've dealt with the enemy in that? He just pounds your mind, pounds your heart, pounds your mind until he penetrates and breaks through. He's incessant like that. That's why the Bible says we need to put on the full armor of God, which means put on the truth. If you know the truth, it'll set you up free. What do you think is going to set you free? From the deception of the enemy, from, from the lies of the enemy. Because he's, he's going to lie, and he's told some lies like this. He's told you, some of you, that because you were an addict, your life is dirty. He's told some of you that because you didn't go to school, you're not as smart as everyone else. He's told some of you because you were divorced, no one will ever want you. He's told some of you that because you failed, God can never use you again. He's told some of you because you've made a mistake, God's going to punish you and get even with you. He's going to tell some of you that you're not going to make it. A disease is going to take you out. He's going to tell some of you that you're never going to be able to pay the bills, that you're never going to have any resource. He's going to tell us these lies. Have anyone ever heard of any of those lies? That's why the Bible said you and I have got to put on the truth. What does that mean? We've got to get some revelation of who the devil is. He's a defeated devil. And in the book of Isaiah, it says, we need to see him for who he is and say, you're the one who shook the nations. You're the one who tried to bring down the nation. You're the one who caused me all that fear. You're the one who talked me out of my blessing. You're the one that kept me in captivity and bondage. You, in other words, we're going to see him and he might sound like a lion, but he is not a lion. He's just really good at studying how to manipulate you. He's really good at studying how to intimidate you. He's really good at studying how to try to control you and your life. Are you getting some revelation? Let, let, let's look at what Jesus said, referencing Isaiah. Jesus said, yes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So get the picture. When the devil rose up against the Father in heaven, God wasn't like, excuse me, you need to go. He kicked him out of heaven, and he fell like lightning. Have you ever seen lightning? Whoosh. God did it violently. He said, I saw Satan when he fell from heaven and he fell like lightning. Now look at the next verse. Jesus says, so look, I have given you authority over all of the power of your enemy. And you can walk among the snakes and the scorpions and you can crush them. Nothing's going to injure you. So get the picture. You have an enemy. It is the devil. He is good at studying you. He is good at roaring. He is good at deceiving. He is good at lying. He is good at making you feel a certain way. But Jesus said, I saw him fall from heaven, and not only did he fall, now you've got authority over him. He's under your feet. And I know what you're thinking. Sometimes it doesn't feel like he's under my feet. Well, you've got to keep him under your feet. And Jesus gave us the picture, your enemy you have authority over your enemy. Are y'all getting the picture? I mean, that's good news. 
I, I want to pop a slide up on the screen and just show you what his real strategy is. And you might want to take a picture of this, but here's the devil's strategy. He will always conflict the Word of God. All the way back in the garden, what did the serpent do? He was conflicting the Word of God. So whatever the Word of God says, he will do what? He will conflict the Word of God. His, his whole platform is against the Word of God. Why? He's against Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's going to lie against the Word of God. The Word of God said you're blessed. He will make you feel like you're what? Cursed. The Word of God says you're the healed of the Lord. He wants to talk you into believing that you will not experience healing, that you, you die of that disease, that you won't overcome that thing. So whatever the Word of God says, the Word of God says you're above and you're not beneath. You're a, you're a conqueror. You're not over, overcome. You're not overwhelmed. You're an overcomer. But he wants you to feel and think that you are overwhelmed and you are overcome. He lies against the Word of God. There's not truth in him. Jesus said from the beginning, he's the father of lies. There is no truth in him. Have you ever been around someone who just lies a lot? You know the feeling you get? Don't look around. They're not here today. You know the feeling you get like you cannot trust this person? You, can't, you wouldn't trust him with your money, with your family, with you cannot. The devil is the father of lies. You would be wise not to trust a liar. Do not trust the lies. If it's against the word of God, don't buy into it. Do not amen it, don't agree with it. You stand against it. But you gotta put on the truth to recognize a lie. He'll also take and he'll challenge your identity. He will challenge your identity. When you read in the Word of God and you re read who God says you are, He's going to challenge your identity. Part of the problem is we don't know who we are. But when we know who we are, who are you? You have authority over the enemy. He's an enemy, but he's defeated. What else will he do? He will twist Scripture. I, you know, the devil probably knows more Scripture than you do. He'll just twist it. He's been twisting it for years. Um, here's something else. He'll tempt you to accept an alternative rather than believing and obeying truth. So if he challenges the word, challenges your identity, twists scripture, he's going to tempt you to get to accept an alternative so you won't believe and obey the truth. And then he's going he's to trap you in despair. Woe is me. Stuck in despair. Stuck in defeat. Stuck in, in, in downtrodden. Stuck feeling like a loser instead of a, a, a winner, stuck feeling like a, a chump instead of a champ. Has anyone ever fallen victim to some of his tactics? We, we all have at different times. Now, I want you to get some revelation. I'm going to say a few things for you this morning. Isn't this good? So what have we said? You need to recognize who he is and who he isn't, understand what he can do and what he can't do, and tame his lies with God's truth. So just like a lion, his approach is to get you from an angle where he attacks the head. That's what the enemy does. He, he, your, the battlefield is your what? Mind. It's your mind. Even if there's a physical challenge or a monetary challenge, the battle is still in your thinking. The battle is still in your confidence. The battle is still for your courage. So what is he going to do? He is going to attack your mind. I'm just telling you, that's why the Bible says we need to let the Word of God transform our thinking, our stinking. I'm telling you, everything that God needs to do, 
Jesus has provided for you. You just need revelation on it. Your mind needs to start changing. Amen. 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 That's why we teach you revelation every Sunday. Because if I can get you believing the right things, then your life lines up accordingly. But he's going to go for your mind. Just like a lion attacks the mind and he plays with the head and torments the head. That's what he does for 10 to 15 minutes. It's just something a lion does. That's what the enemy does. He attacks your mind, and guess what he does? He plays with your mind. The word wiles means the road to your mind. And listen, a lot of times, it's the same old stuff. A lot of times, it's the same old insecurities. A lot of times, and here's the deal. He's good at deceiving you, so when you start believing those lies, now you start doubting the truth. And when you start doubting the truth, you are not free. You are subject to fear. You are subject then. You are captive to those lies. You are captive to insecurity. That's why we got to know the truth because the truth does what? It does set us free. It lets us know what God has said about us. That's what the enemy does. And then after he's messed with your mind, he goes for the suffocation and gets those razor sharp claws and he covers your mouth. A lion suffocates his victim. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to suffocate you. What, 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 what does that mean? Here's how, you, here's how you get the devil to shut up. There's only one way to get the devil to shut up. That if you want him to shut his mouth, you got to open your mouth. Don't negotiate with him. Don't debate with him. Don't like, well, you got a point. Don't, don't do that. And sometimes the, the voice of the devil can come just inside your head. Sometimes it can come from someone at work. Sometimes it can come from someone down the street. Sometimes it can come from somebody that you think loves you. Sometimes it could come from somebody that cares. But you've got to be able to recognize the, the voice of the enemy from the voice of truth. And I'm telling you, the only way to get the devil to shut up in your life is to open your mouth. Now, now listen, I, I don't understand this fully because a lot of times when you're, having, when you're in a conversation with somebody, you love to open your mouth. No, don't look around like you're looking for that person. No, you. you you like to chime in on the conversation. If we sat down and we started talking politics, you would have something to say. If we sat down and we started talking sports, you would have something to say. If we started talking about your family, you would have, you would have an opinion. But so many times when the enemy starts messing with our mind, trying to get our voice, we lose our opinion. And you say, well, what's my opinion? I hope your opinion is the scripture, the word of God. So you've got to open. Think about when Jesus spent those days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. What's the one thing that Jesus did? He didn't think scripture. He spoke scripture. The Bible said it's your two-edged sword. It came out of the mouth of God. Then it got into your mouth. It has two sides to it. I'm telling you, instead of just listening and listening and debating with the devil, you've got to speak. You can't just think, well, those... You know, I can do all things. No, you've got to speak. I can do all things through Christ. When he tells you you can't, you've got to get you some word that says, that's not what scripture says. That's not what my God said about me. When he keeps telling you that you should be depressed and you should be discouraged and you should be down and out, you've got to respond to him and say, that is not the voice of God. That's a lie. Anything the devil says that's against the word of God, it's a lie. It's, it's fake news. It is fake news. Anyone sick of fake news? You can't trust anybody anymore. Why? Because they don't know what the truth is. And if they do know it, they are not speaking it. But when you speak the word of God, it's truth. When you, when, when you don't 
when you don't feel healed, but yet you claim what he said, I, I am healed, you are speaking life and you are speaking truth. And you are speaking reality over reality. He said, we have to take a stand in faith. What does faith do? Faith believes and faith speaks. Are y'all getting this this morning? Let me, let me say this to you. I want to tell you a story I've told before from a book. And, and then I want to give you a thought that I think will help you. And then, then, we'll, then we'll be excited. We'll sing. There is nowhere in Scripture that it says that we should pray for God to do something with the devil. I read a book, I've read it several times. I like to reread it every once in a while. Many of you have read it. If you haven't, you should read it. It's The Believer's Authority by Kenneth Hagin, who had several visions with talking to Jesus. And in this one particular story, he's having a vision and Jesus is communicating truth to him. And all of a sudden he said it was like this little imp or a little monkey elf type figure that runs in front between him and Jesus. And every time Jesus would talk, it would go yakety, 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 yak. And this smoke screen, this fog would be between him and Jesus. And Jesus kept talking to him, and this thing kept going yakety, yakety, yak to where he couldn't hear. He was getting really, really frustrated. And Brother Hagin kept saying, Jesus needs to do something about this. And it went on and went on. Finally, Brother Hagin said, I got so mad, I looked at that figure, and I said, in the name of Jesus, you shut up. And he said, all of a sudden, that thing fell to the ground, the smoke screen left, and he looked there, looked at it, whimpering on the ground, and he said, now you get up and get out of here in the name of Jesus. And he said, at that moment, Jesus said to him, I know what you were thinking. You were thinking, why didn't I do something about that? Now now listen to this. And Jesus said, I didn't do something because I couldn't. He didn't say he wouldn't, he said, I couldn't. Right now we're messing with theology, right? We're messing with religion. He said, I couldn't. He says, here's why I can't. I gave you all authority. It says that. Jesus said, we just read it. I gave you all authority. Sometimes we're asking God to do something when God's saying, you need to speak some truth to that. You need to speak to that. You you need to declare to that thing. There's just sometimes we're asking God to do something. God's saying, I can't do this. Why can't he? It's not an ability issue. It's an authority issue. He gave you authority. Are y'all getting it this morning? Yeah, part of the unholy trinity is the devil. He's your enemy, but he's a defeated devil, defeated by Jesus, ejected from heaven, put under your feet, and and God is saying, you keep asking me to do something, and I actually gave you the keys to do so. I actually gave you the authority. And what's your authority? How's that working? How do I do that? You open your mouth and declare the word of God. That's how you do it. Now, I, I, was, I was reading and studying this week, and I want you to get this truth, because this is for somebody. It's, it's for more than one body. But you guys remember in the Old Testament, there was uh, uh, one of the greatest prophets. His name was Elijah. So Elijah is this amazing prophet. And Elijah had this amazing encounter with Jezebel, which is spirit of witchcraft. And she had all of these prophets. And there was, on Mount Carmel, there, there was this showdown. And so all of these false prophets 
were trying to bring fire down from heaven. And they're dancing and chanting and cutting themselves for hours. Nothing happened. Finally, Elijah gets up and he says, water down the sacrifice. He calls on God. God consumes the sacrifice with fire and he slays and kills all those false prophets. Amazing victory. Huge moment. Huge momentum for God's people. Elijah the prophet, God moves on his behalf. You ever had a mountaintop experience where you're like, man, God is just amazing and faithful. Right after that happened, the weirdest thing happened. Elijah, a Jezebel says, says this to him, I'm going to kill you. Within 24 hours, you're going to die. I'm going to slay you. So now we see this man of God full of faith and victory and miracles. All of a sudden, he runs for his life. And he's hiding under a tree, and he prays this prayer to God. God, kill me. Take my life right now. He just went from this amazing moment to being full of fear that Jezebel's after him. And she said, within 24 hours, you will die. Well, if you know how the story goes, I want you to think about this. 24 hours passed. 48 hours passed. 72 hours passed. See, the thing the devil's lying to you about, it's a lie. Now stick with me, stick with me. Because not only did Elijah not die in 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, Elijah never died. He actually never died. He just went to heaven. I'm just telling you, he's lying to you about something. And not only is it not going to happen in 24 hours or 48 hours, it's not going to happen. He's lying to you. You will live and declare the works of the Lord. You will be blessed. You will be a conqueror. You will be free. Your marriage will be healed. I'm telling you, if you'll stand on the truth, he's a liar. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Are you getting it? Not only did, isn't that an amazing truth? Not only did he make it the 24 hours, he never did taste the death that the enemy wanted. But he's in, he, is, he has intimidated you. He has manipulated you. And some of you, he has controlled with his lies. To a point to where your life, the life you've been living with Christ has been on a lower level than what Jesus wants for you. Say, Pastor, and how do I cure that? Number one, you get revelation from this morning. That's where it starts. You get revelation. Um, the, the, the devil's home-filled turf is darkness. As long as he can keep you in darkness and ignorance, he's winning. But when you can pull him out into revelation and light, guess what? You start winning. You start gaining traction. Your life starts gaining victory. You start gaining momentum. And you start seeing greater and greater freedom. Amen? That, that's why we preach like we do on a Sunday, because you need some revelation about what Jesus has done, what he says about you, because that's the truth. Any, anyone anyone uh, tired of the devil messing with you? Just tired of him messing with you. I've been praying for God to do something. Now, he, he's been waiting on you to do something with what he did for you. Well, I'm just little old me. If you have been a believer for three weeks, you have the same amount of authority than if you have been a believer for 30 years. Because the, the moment, 
the moment you became a believer, guess what? You were translated from one kingdom into another. You were translated from defeat into dominion. You were transferred from, from, from the losing team to the winning team. And, and I think a lot of you could look, you could even do it now, look at some areas of your life where the devil's had a stronghold or had a victory or, or kept you in bondage or not, not, not let you see victory in the area. You say, well, what do I do about that? Well, first thing you need to do is say, God, I repent of giving him that turf. And Jesus, teach me how to take that turf back. You say, how do you do that? You get you some truth and you open your mouth. You open your mouth. He has kept us intimidated. We feel inadequate. He's kept us an introvert with spiritual things. And I'm gonna prophesy right now to you. It's time to be an extrovert with the word of God. It's time to be aggressive with the Word of God. It's time to be bold with the Word of God. It's time to be bold with the Word of God. Quit debating at the enemy's table. Quit debating. You're not in a debate with him. Keep pointing to the cross. Just keep pointing to the cross. Keep pointing to an empty grave. Keep pointing to the Word. Just every time he lies to you, point to the Word. Say, my dad said this. That's what my dad said. Are y'all getting it this morning? You know, where you need to get free is, is in your heart and mind from what I'm preaching this morning. How many, how many needed this? How many needed this? You got an enemy, but he's a defeated enemy. He's a defeated enemy. And, and, and listen, I'm going to shut up and let you praise, but, but he, the areas that he comes at you with, I, I'm, not, I'm not negating the intensity or the danger or the potential of that. But what I'm saying is the battle is over not over what happened, the battle is over how you're gonna to respond to it, what you believe God said about it, what God says for you to do about it. You, you, you know, for some of you, it's, it's um, for some of you, it feels like the devil has control of things. And this morning, it's time to take control back. You gave him the keys to the car with some things you thought and said, it's time to just take them back now. For some of you, he's just been a nuisance in your territory. It's almost like you've got your house, you've got your chain fence there, and he just keeps coming in, messing with you. Just keeps, I'm gonna break in, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna come in, and you just let him exist there. It's time to say, get off my property. Get out of my marriage, get out of my house. Get, get out of my house. Get out of my, my thinking, get out of my body. It's time to just, you say, how you do authority? You open your, have you all got that? You open your mouth. You don't think him away. You don't, you know, put me on the prayer chain. No, open your trap. That's where authority is. That's where authority is. Because here's, here's why. He has talked too many of you into thinking and living like you're, you're something other than what God has said. Are you all with me this morning? Can we praise him for a moment? God, we praise you. God, we do. We worship you. God, we thank you.